Hi, everybody. We are now back for just another episode, number 26 A Father Knows Something. Morgan and I are here to go through a bunch more uh, write-ins and see what we have. But I'd like to say one thing that's interesting, being 26 is half of 52. That means uh, this is a half a year we've been doing this. It's You've been doing it for a minute now. Yeah, so... Uh, I'm glad you've all hung in there. We're just kind of getting our feet uh, landed, kind of figuring out where the show's going. But uh, thanks a lot for joining us. And don't forget to subscribe, most importantly. So are we going to have a, a Patreon afterwards as well? There should be a Patreon from this uh, this theme. So we'll, uh, see. we'll see what happens. Uh, and do we have any write-ins from last week? Or, Up, any, or any um updates you mean yeah yeah well we're gonna dive into those after the song you gotta give it a chance to play oh well here we go Okay, so starting with an update, we have an update from Boston. Oh, this is what I've been waiting for. Yeah, the story is from uh, the last episode. Oh, God, it's 24. It was called Feeling a Void, and it was the very last story on that episode. Happened around the 48-minute mark. And so this was a story that came from a listener that has been struggling to maintain a relationship with her dad that moved from the States to Norway. There's an evil stepmom involved. And it's been very challenging where her dad has blocked her on everything, doesn't respond to her, doesn't communicate, shows up in Boston, doesn't tell her she's there. And we were, we were, we ended the recording and we all looked at each other and we go, wow. We were all upset. We were so upset and, for and her. I, and I think a lot of our viewership, there were some comments that were even made for this, you know, for this person that, in her favor. And a lot of people are upset about this. Yeah. Yeah. This one really rocked us. So here we go. Hi guys. I was surprised to hear my write-in on the pod, but thank you so much for featuring it. I know my OG write-in was a perfect representation of my scatterbrain. So let me clear some things up. Not only is my dad's family moving to the same city, they're moving to the same small suburban town. My sister, 27, has not talked to my dad in years. He is fully out of her life. I was so happy to have my brother here and have him close and show him support, so the situation has been really heartbreaking. My dad's big saying is he's, quote, just trying to keep the peace with her. That was always his big saying. My feelings and emotions got put on the back burner just so he could keep the peace. I know his wife is so happy that my sister and I aren't a part of his life right now. When I was listening, I felt like I was talking to my friends. You guys nailed every point. My stepmom is so beyond insecure. My dad and her are so manipulating. I really think it is mostly her. And like Jerry said, he just has no balls to stand up to her. I had my brother's whole hockey schedule on an app that the team provided. I was also blocked on that. I didn't even know it was possible. I wouldn't put it past my stepmom that she blocked me from his accounts. She has all of his texts set up to also get sent her laptop. She is so emotionally wow. and mentally abusive. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. 
I was also sent threatening messages from my stepsister, stepmom's daughter, last summer. As for the update, since I sent in the write-in, my dad showed up again. Maybe a little confusing on how I found out, but I was babysitting in town, and the Billet family's kid was over for a play date. And he said, quote, aren't you so-and-so's sister? So I said yes, and the kid goes, quote, oh, isn't he at blank with your dad right now? Like I said, small ass town. But yeah, he was in town and didn't reach out once. He can't even put the blame on he was too busy or she wouldn't allow him to see me or he couldn't get away to see me. He traveled here alone. Literally no excuses. It crushes me every day. I have major abandonment issues. I'm on medication for mental health. It truly impacts my day-to-day life. I can assure you the family is not moving back to the U.S. for any other reason than my brothers want to live in Boston. I loved the advice of fully saying to him, is he okay with me fully out of his life? Because that's the way it is looking right now. I feel like I'm still leaning towards a letter because I'm the worst with confrontation. I just cry immediately and I feel like I won't get all of my words and thoughts out. Let me know if you have any more questions or need clarification on anything else. All thanks. XOXO, see you in Boston soon. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, you're ready now, right? Yeah, yeah, that was bad. What a I, 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 I was really waiting to hear her say, I dropped what I was doing and I went and I, I confronted him. I was waiting for that, for her to say that. Oh, I would have rushed out of the nanny family's house. But yeah. I would have been there and knocked on the door and say, Dave, can we have a talk? Yeah, but I don't know if I would even call him dad. I think I would have, I don't know how I would have really reacted to that point, but there's definitely, she had an opportunity and I wish she had the strength that she could have just got up and, and gone over there and said, I'd like to have a conversation with you. I think strength is a key word here though. And I think having this type of confrontation. I mean, like she said, she's like, I kind of want to write a letter. I, I cry every time I confront someone and same, I cry. It doesn't even matter if it's confrontational or just like a conversation. If it feels like a lot of pressure on me, I cry. I have a really hard time with that. So I think it's going to take some time to build up to that and get ready for that and emotionally and mentally prepare. So he can't wiggle and waggle when he's in front of her though. He can't. But I think he'll talk a big game to get out of it, and nothing will change either sad. way. Very, very sad. And if this is the way he is, you don't. I'm sad to say it, but you don't need him in your life. It's, Not at all. It's time to move on when somebody can't even be responsible enough to care for the feelings of someone that he he fathered. Mm-hmm. What a piece of shit. Yeah. And, and I and and I, I don't know what his name is, but I'm, I hope somehow he gets a a copy of this link and really hears these and let him know that he is a piece of shit for someone for not going to stand up for his daughter and, and certainly do whatever he can to make his children feel the best that they can feel by just a simple, I, I, I think of you and I care for you. This is everything in, in, in the total opposite of that. Yeah, it is. One more update. Um, this update comes from, Uh, The last story in the urgency episode, 
Um, it was about her friend's birthday coming up and her friend had lost her dad mm-hmm. and she was just asking. Right. And we, we said, go have a picnic in the park or mm-hmm. whatever. So hello, Jerry, Justin, and Morgan. First off, I want to say thank you so much for responding to my post. I was literally working on one of my finals while I was listening to your podcast and I was awestruck that you guys responded. Also, I sort of fangirled when Morgan said I was an amazing friend and honestly made me tear up a bit. Don't fangirl. I'm just a normal person. Also, I want to clarify that I am 18 as well. So here's the update. I ended up going home Mother's Day weekend, which is basically the weekend of her birthday, to surprise both my best friend and my mom for a couple days. We spent all evening together on Saturday, and we had a little picnic. Thanks for the idea. And we watched movies. It was so much fun, and I think she was really happy that I surprised her. I also wrote her a letter talking about how much I love her and care for her, and that it's okay to be sad on her special day, and that it's okay to miss her dad. Thank you again for... Thank you again so much for the advice. I'm glad, I'm glad we were here for you. Yeah. And I'm glad Justin went and plucked yours out. Yeah. Okay, now on to the stories. Okay. So, not really sure what the theme I have for you today is, but it's kind of like a sense of like advocating for yourself or just kind of like standing up for yourself, mm-hmm. not being afraid to choose the right path the right path for you and all that. We'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So up first. Hi there. I live in a different country with my boyfriend and my family have issues with this. Growing up, I was never close with them and oftentimes felt like the black sheep in the family. So I didn't think it would be a big deal when I wanted to move to a different country with my long-term partner to be closer to his family who has a better relationship. At first, they expressed concerns about me because I'm quiet and that I wouldn't do well there, but it's been five years and they still express this. They constantly pressure me to come visit more often, but when I do visit, it feels like an interrogation of my job, my living situation, our relationship, things like that. And she's doing just fine in the other country. I've never been happier than I am now, but it sucks that they try to put a negative spin on things. And I don't think they see the real me. I don't really know what to do as they also constantly compare me to my more successful sister who also moved away for a couple years, met a guy there, and has now moved back with him. What do I do? Well, I'm, I'm po- I love this word. I'm pondering it for a moment because the, the dynamic is that you are doing just fine right where you're at. And how do you get the message uh, across to someone to say, Gee, I can't wait to come home to get picked on. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come home. <laughs> I can't I can't I can't wait to come home to to have you tell me what a failure I am. I can't wait to come home so you can tell me how my big sister is better than I am. Yeah. That's the reality. So for, for a lot of people. A lot of people do that where there's a golden child and then the black sheep. It's it's a struggle. You know, it it's it's sad when a parent can't really love each child differently more than the other one differently. So it's, it's balanced at the end of the day that all of you are loved equally for your own special uniqueness. And that's the way, you know, it rolled, rolled in my family as I grew up. And it's the way I, I've always treated the three of you. It's each one of you are so unique in what you do and how you think. And as a parent, I think a parent has to appreciate that uniqueness. I don't understand when they can't. 
certainly not unique. I, I've, I've witnessed it with other families and other people. So in this situation, obviously it's tough, but she's been in this other place for five years. Mm-hmm. Sounds like relationships, great living station, living mm-hmm. situations, great. Everything's good. How do you just say to them like once and for all to put a kibosh on this and just say, Hey, love you guys. Love coming home, catching up. But like, how do you put a kibosh on this behavior? I think you you have to have a phone call, have a call with them and say, I'd love for you to come see the life that I live. And I hope you, and be positive. I hope you'll enjoy to see that I'm doing great. I'm happy and I'm growing here. Mm-hmm. And I'd love for you to come share that with, with me. I'd love to share it with you. And that's, I mean, you, you, you take an approach that you just say, Love for you to come experience. Love, love to see how happy I am here. Love to, you know, you're inviting them into your territory. They're kicked off base and you're showing them that you're not budging. You're not going anywhere and you're doing just fine. Mm-hmm. And if the parents have any kind of maturity and balance, they'll get it and maybe they'll, they'll get a message. I, by the sounds of it, they're not. And you and so don't have your expectation is that this is that this is going to work. I can't tell you it will work, but it will. It should work for you at least that you've passed the message that you're doing fine. You're great. You're growing. You've you've made it on your own without you know them. You're doing your own thing, and yet you want them to come visit and be a part of your life. And here I'm going to share. And I'm you know one day I'm going to be married. One day I may decide to have children. One may I may do all these different things, but I want you to be aware where I'm at and feel comfortable that I'm in good shape. Yeah. Yeah, I think that sounds good. I, it's tough. Um, their ideal outcome, I think the ideal outcome would be being able to fit in with them and not feel like an outsider. And so maybe them coming and seeing her and her trip, maybe they'll finally get over themselves and be more comfortable with things or... Mm-hmm get over the status quo of living. They, they may decide they like it too. And we'll say, yeah, I can't wait to come back and visit you and seeing, and seeing how things work. <laughs> it, you just don't know until you do it and, and to pull it off to, you know, you know, certainly be, you know, what you're trying, what, what you, who you are, that you're a, an independent woman, that you have moved away and you're able to entertain uh, and and host, and let's see what let's see how they handle it. Okay, moving along. Okay, not that long ago, I had a serious panic attack, which led to an asthma attack. This happened at 3 a.m. on a Saturday in a college town. But luckily, one of my roommates stayed home and was sober and drove me to the ER. For context, I don't drink or do any kind of drugs because there's a history in my family with substance abuse. By the time we got to the ER, I could barely breathe and was literally gasping for air. My roommate may actually be traumatized because at one point he said, I passed out in his car. We get booked in and they set me up. They do what they need to do, but one person, I'm not sure if it was a nurse or who, because I was so disoriented, was convinced I was high on something, having a bad trip or drunk. Due to this thought they had, I was outed by them for being irresponsible and that if I wanted drugs, they wouldn't give me any. My asthma was managing, but I was still panicking, and the nurse essentially told me they couldn't keep me there all night. This was the scariest night of my life so far, and I've never had a panic attack before. A new nurse came in after a while and showed me a chest scan they had done and ended up hooking me up to some kind of drip 
that knocked me for a loop and calmed me down. I got a recommendation for someone to help with any future panic attacks and an emergency inhaler prescription. I've never been taken seriously when I go in for anything medical, but the fact that this was an emergency made it scarier and less, oh, this bitch, and more, oh, fuck, I might die. The question is more of how do you advocate for yourself in situations where there is such a power imbalance, or how do you even deal with these little traumas? I would, first thing I would do is get a medical alert on my wrist. Yeah, I think that number everyone one, should have a medical bracelet, number one, necklace. Medical alert, right on the, and put right, and engrave right on it what, what, what is going on with you. I am sure there's some kind of uh, medical history uh, certificate or something if you go to your doctor that can put into your wallet that in the case of an emergency of the following, this is, you know, she, this, this patient is subject to the following and this is how we treat it. Um, I would have something set up that, that when you walk in right with your documents, you're ready to go because if it happened once, it could happen again. Yeah. There's also a feature on your iPhone. If you actually input your medical, um, Mm -hmm. background into your iPhone in the case of an emergency, someone without locking your phone can look at that. But I think there's a bigger problem here where like, it sounds like she's honestly managing her health okay. The bigger problem is that a medical system, one, treats women typically like shit, mm-hmm. doesn't believe women, and you had someone who was on a power trip. So how do you deal with someone well, that first of all, when is it like com- that? When it comes to medical experience, you know, I have about a med- about medical experience is little Holly over there. <laughs> uh, you, however, worked in hospitals. You were a shadow for a surgeon and wrote things. You know how the, you know how the mechanism works. I can tell you about a factory and how a factory works. I can't tell you how a hospital in the medical community can work. Yes. So why don't you take this one and I'm going to let you figure that. Only thing that I can honestly say is that when if you have a medical alert on your wrist, and you have whatever things, and you have a way of saying, this is what's going on with me. E- even if you don't have your breath, you have the alert, and they press 911. The frickin' medical community that comes to help you better look to see what's going on, to, to be able to, uh, to, uh, to assess what's happening. The first thing to say that you're on drugs and tripping, how in the fuck do they know if you were on drugs and tripping, if they didn't even check you for it? All you know is that you couldn't breathe, and your lungs were shut down. I mean, I would be having a fit with that hospital, a shitload of a fit with the hospital about about the quality of care that I got. Yeah, I would absolutely talk to, typically when you go to a hospital, you there's lots of people involved in your care journey, some of which you might not get introduced to, but they're working behind the scenes. Um, but typically, if you request one, you should be able to have a patient care advocate. And this is someone that... You can file claims with, you can talk to about your care. They will typically help improve it. You can um, document malpractice from nurse, doctors, whatever that looks like. So you typically can reach out to them. Or any personal injury lawyer, I'm sure, could be happy to make but a phone in call. in the moment, when you're in the moment and your life is on the line mm-hmm. and you are trying to advocate for yourself to get the care you need, that's the step you should take. Additionally, this was probably a nurse that was responsible for the room, aka was your bed. I would ask to speak to the charge nurse 
or uh, a nurse a nurse that's responsible for the floor that night or um, sometimes they call them like a huck. Uh, I'd, I'd elevate that. Um, I would make it documented in your chart. I'm having an asthma attack. I'm not on drugs. Right, but- so anytime someone's going to deny you something, whether that's a medical scan, um, some type of test, mm-hmm. even simple like there's a lot of people that go to the doctor for a thyroid test and the doctor will say, you don't need it. Say, I want you to document in my chart that I asked for this. I think a better example would be um, an MRI or heart. You're having heart problems mm-hmm. and you say, I want it documented that I came in here and I asked for this test and you're denying it to me. So if something happens to me, we have it documented. Typically, if you start talking like that and you ask them to document things, It'll get done. But I got a question for you. This woman apparently is fighting to breathe. That's the problem. And and she said, and I think she, if I remember correctly in her thing, how do I prevent it from happening again? That. How to advocate for yourself in situations where there's such a power imbalance. And so they were going forward. And I also wanted to address going backwards. But the first thing that I would suggest is she has to do going. So, so the hospital is put on record and something really does make a change. She has, she goes, finds some, a, a, a personal injury lawyer that wants to, to, that feels it's enough there to go make a phone call to maybe try to get some damages. So they learn not to behave that way makes a real impact uh, with the administration when someone says, I was treated this following way, and that is not acceptable. Yeah. Because if she, if she is fighting to breathe or fighting to deal with the panic, she can't think about what, what the, you can, because you know what, 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 what you have, the service you should be getting in a hospital. I would walk in there. I wouldn't know what to ask for. I mean, there's clearly an issue here in this situation. I don't know about the personal injury lawyer. I'm obviously not a personal injury lawyer, but I have friends that are. I don't know if anything would really come from that since no harm was caused. Was there no harm caused? They could argue that n- no, there was no harm caused. She was still treated with medical care. She was able to calm down. She got an inhaler blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I've had patients and I, um, acted as a consultant for someone whose dad was at a skilled nursing facility. They didn't change his bandages for weeks and he got an infection in his foot. Mm -hmm. He also has diabetes. So healing is already difficult, lost his foot. Mm -hmm. And I recommended, I would highly recommend getting in contact with a lawyer that's malpractice, blah, blah, blah. And even her dad who lost a foot is having a hard time with his case. So it's really challenging and not to say that it's not possible, but I think the bottom line is when it, when you're in situations like this, like obviously if you can't breathe, like fill, fill people in that are close to you in your life, like fill them in and be like, Hey, if I'm ever in this situation, I have asthma. I would never use drugs. Please advocate for me if something like this happens again. Fill people in like that or type something out on your phone to have would, it ready. I would definitely have something get, in my wallet or phone. To get hand the to medical them. bracelet ready. But also like those people in situations like that where there's a power imbalance, like you have to remember like coming from per- a person that worked in the hospital, like you are a customer. 
A hospital is no different than any customer service industry. You are a customer. They work for you. And yes, you should respect them 100%. You should respect your nurses, respect your doctors, listen to them. But also if they're not listening to you, they work for you. You can ask for a different nurse. You can elevate it. You can be a Karen in this situation. Your health is on the line. Don't be afraid to be a person that speaks out because it's your health. We only have one life. Well, there's actually called, the when you go into a hospital, there's a thing called the Bill of Rights, Hospital Bill of Rights. And you also are entitled to an advocate at the hospital. They have advocates that work in the hospital. And you can say, I'd like, I'd like to have a hospital advocate. That was the patient care person yeah. I mentioned. Yeah. Speak up because sometimes people are burnt out in healthcare or over it and not justifying that it's right by any means. But healthcare the past couple of years has been a war zone for many hospitals and people are just overworked, underpaid, burnt out. And sometimes they need a reality check or just a day off. Mm -hmm. So find someone who's not so burnt out and will actually listen. Okay. Hello, Jerry, Morgan, and Justin. We'll, we'll, send, we'll send the regards to Justin. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time to read my problem. I love the podcast and look forward to each episode. I, female 26, wanted to ask some advice about my parents. I moved out of my parents' house about a year ago. Every so often, I come over to visit and have noticed my parents are having marital problems. I also see them quite frequently throughout the week. My mom is constantly glued to her phone, and my dad is either gone a lot working on things at our church or is in his office upstairs while my mom is on her phone downstairs. My parents are both very religious and don't believe in getting divorced. They have been arguing quite often, and they just don't seem happy in their marriage. My niece, who also lives with them, has noticed this as well, and we talk about it often. My question to you is, is it my place to bring this issue up to them, or should I let them come to terms with it on their own? And also, are there any things I can do to try to help their marriage? I know they won't divorce, but seeing them unhappy together makes me sad. They don't currently go to counseling as far as I know, but they are counselors themselves. How do I go about this? You know, it's 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 interesting because what happens is it is and I'm not saying this is the case with you with with this particular family but when you raise children the job is raising children and you lose your marriage you actually lose the intimacy between one another because you're too busy and focused dealing with the life of raising kids and you lose each other it's it's I think it's very common and sometimes as the nest becomes empty and they call themselves empty nesters. They have to reestablish who they are as a couple. For any reason, there's other dynamics that have gone into this relationship that you are totally unaware aware of that causes bitterness. That's a tough thing to get through as well. So they might be contending with some different factors that you are totally not informed about because they don't want, they don't want you to know for whatever their reasons. But you, I don't think there's a reason when you... It, as part of this family that you look at them and you say, mom and dad, I can see you're unhappy. Is there anything I can do? Or, you know, I want to see you guys, whatever is bugging you or, or causing this, maybe you guys can get some help outside to, to deal with it. But I'm here to do whatever you need me to do. I mean, I want to see you guys happy and I would love to see you happy together. I mean, it's obvious something is going on to cause this, this, the separation or, 
hostility, this, this vibe that I'm feeling, this heaviness that I feel when I walk in the house, it's real. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't think you have to be afraid to, to, to confront it. They may just say, you know something, honey, it's just none of your business and we're going to deal with it on our own. You know, at that point in time, you just have to say, I just let you know I'm here for you. And that's all you can do. Yeah. So ideal outcome. Ideally, I would like for my parents to be happy. But as far as an outcome advice-wise, I just would like to know if I should bring this up to them or not. And if there's anything I could do to make them happy in their marriage again. I think I just hit that one. Yeah. I mean, it's really it really is up to them. And I think where you could advocate for yourself in this, though, is say, you know, I do notice you're unhappy, mm-hmm. it, at least from an outsider. I'm not. I feel the heaviness. I feel, yeah, I feel that there's something going on. Is everything okay? Like, have you guys considered counseling? I think you can make it a very easy, lightweight little like observation and not make it, you know, it, so big. Right. But and you also, you know, realize, you know, so I've heard the term, you know, the shoe man has the, 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 the shoe man's kids have no shoes because he's too busy making shoes for everybody else, but he doesn't take stuff, take care of these, the shoes of his own house. So your parents are both, uh, you know, do counseling and they, and your, your father is like, uh, did she say he's a preacher? They're both counselors. But he is active at their church. At their church. But I would definitely, um, you know, certainly say, I know you guys have the professional knowledge of this, but something's going on. And I hope that you guys will, be able to seek some assistance to figure out. And if you need me for anything, God, I love the two of you and I'm here for you. Yeah. Whatever happens, I'm here for the two of you, but I want you guys to, you know, God, if anything I can do, but I, but I noticed the heaviness. Mm -hmm. I noticed the, there's a hostility when I walk in this house and God, I don't just want to make sure that my parents are happy for the rest of their lives together or apart, but I want to make sure they're happy. Yeah. For sure. That's giving support. That's what that's what you would want from them if you were having a tough time. I think, yeah, I think just bring it up casually, lightheartedly. No pressure. Let us know. Yeah. Up next, thank you in advance for taking your time to read my write-in. This write-in has to do with my job. I am currently in law enforcement. Since I was a teenager, this is what I wanted to do, and I've planned and worked hard for it. However, for the past couple of years, things have not been going according to plan, and things have not been as great as they once seemed. I have grown to hate my job. I work really long hours, days, and nights. We are so short-staffed, and the work we are given keeps stacking up more and more. We are on mandatory overtime, which takes away from our homes and families. Due to the nature of the job, we also don't see the public at their best. All this has taken a toll on me. I don't feel like I'm the happy person I once was. I'm always tired, stressed, overwhelmed. On hard days, I drive home crying. I had applied for a different job that I was really interested in and excited about. Unfortunately, I was not hired. This made things worse for me. Now I feel lost and stuck at my job. I don't know what else to do and where to start. I have a degree in sociology and criminal justice, but I'm not sure what to do with it. I no longer want to be in law enforcement, but that's all I've known for the past few years. I do love animals, specifically dogs and horses. I wouldn't like to be a vet, but I'm not sure what else there is out there that will allow me to work with dogs while also allowing me to be financially stable. Right now, my job pays decent, I have benefits and a pension, which is how people get stuck doing this. 
All I know is that I want out. I can't see myself doing this until I retire. I already feel my mental health declining. Any advice or ideas on how to get unstuck, how and where to go start are appreciated. Thank you. We don't, we, we don't have a couple of bits of information. First of all, if she's married she, or is she free to move and do make other changes? Because law enforcement takes all different kind of venues. You could be a, you could be a, a horseback cop. You could be a, a, a canine, uh, run a canine unit. You can go to work for the DEA. You can go in the FBI. You can, there are different venues that you could travel and make a segue, staying in law enforcement, but going out of your department to another department. Because apparently your department isn't flexible enough to allow you to go do something else. If you're getting burnt out, you're not doing yourself any justice or your life, and now you're just becoming a drone, and that's not living. No. So as a parent, you came to me, and this is father knows something, which means you're coming to me as your dad and saying, Dad, what what are your thoughts? My thoughts are you need to look out for yourself. And, I, and I'm proud of you that you are doing, you know, protecting and serving the public. What a fantastic thing. But you also have to keep your own oxygen mask on or you are going to be used you're going to be useless to everybody. In fact, you might even put yourself into a compromising position from being overly tired. All of a sudden you're put into a situation and you have to have a, that, that lightning, that lightning, uh, quick, um, brain processing and, and you don't because you're tired and exhausted and you take a bullet. So you're in a life threatening situation. So you've got to take care of yourself and you have to keep yourself on top of the ball. So I would look at segueing to a different facet of the uh, of the department, and if if you have money that you can go back to school or you can find loan programs that you can survive while you're doing it, you want to take a different job uh, thing out of law enforcement totally, then that's something you have to go to make your arrangements and figure out how to pull it off. But you can certainly um, go go get into a different department that you can find that they have a, a way of that you can keep your talent and, and be useful and not, not stress yourself the way you are. I, by the sounds of it though, I think they are so done with police work. They want other options is what I'm kind of hearing. She can write us back. The dog and horse thing is super, um, super, super cool. I don't know if like animal control work is like an easy transition. It could be, um, you know, responding to animal instances. I used to watch a show called ASPCA Mm -hmm. and they would rescue animals. And that was a really cool show. Um, I know because of your sociology background and um, obviously your criminal justice, I know there are so, so many organizations now out there working to stop crime. So if you listen to Crime Junkie podcast, they've started a nonprofit organization to work on stopping crimes. There's Crime Stoppers. Um, so I just was looking and seeing if Crime Stoppers is hiring or even like what it is. And Crime Stoppers are all over the country. There's one in LA. I know there's Indiana. They're everywhere. And they're a nonprofit organization working with law enforcement agencies and the media to help solve crimes. Um I think there's so, so many. Does her sociology, sociology, sociology degree help her at all? 
to work with uh, um, people that might be autistic that want to work with animals? And no, that would require more training. So it's again, we go back to she'll have to just figure out what she can afford to do for reach for going back but to there's school. There's so I think there's so many options I, where she doesn't have to necessarily go back. I think there's so many like lateral moves you can do. There are. I would I love, think, I'd love, I'd love to her to talk to us more. Yeah, I think even one I thought of when you were talking. Because law enforcement is, it's a heavy job. I think the state of our country and the states right now is really challenging. And I can imagine it's a difficult job. And one thing when you said I like dogs, I was like, okay, what about a TSA dog handler? You walk through the airport, people at airports are mostly happy. They're going on vacation, they're traveling, they're having a good time. Handle a dog at the airport. I mm -hmm. think that could be good. Um, I would just start applying everywhere and anywhere apply for the job that you wanted again, like see if they're hiring again, see if there's other um, openings elsewhere. But, right, but she can also leave that department, go to a different department where she can grow as well. She's not, she's not forced to stay there. No. And that is an option. I, from th this, um, and maybe the ideal outcome will help provide you some clarity. So ideal outcome, I would like advice and ideas on what steps I can take to start a new career. Ideas on what careers I can look into and where to start. Advice on how to stop feeling how I do in my current job. Thank you very much. So it sounds like she really does want to she be done. She wants to be gone. So if you're listening, listeners out there, comment on the Instagram post for this episode or the YouTube. Let's all put our brains together and think about what jobs she could potentially try. And I think more importantly, how she can get funding and what's out there to help her to go do this if she doesn't have other income because she's going to have to take, take some loans or some scholarships or something to go back to school because she has to be able to eat. Survive. Maybe, but I don't, I think there are going to be so many options that mm -hmm. will appreciate her service in the law enforcement. She's already got a bachelor's degree. I mean, there's so many jobs that you don't need additional education for. So she could be a private detective. She can go into PI. She can certainly go into PI and do do private investigation mm -hmm. on certain type of cases. Yeah, and um, female, twenty nine, not married, no kids. You could move. You could travel. You could do consultation work. I know with the movement that happened in Minnesota and then you know spread all over the country with George Floyd's murder. I know there are a lot of nonprofits working to better law enforcement, better law enforcement training, cultural training, mental health training. I think there's so- We don't so, know her specialty? Or, we yeah. don't know her specialty, but if those are things you're passionate about and you want to make a difference and help and lead change, um, then I think there's such amazing work that those organizations, you could be a part of that. And- work on a consultation base and offer services that way. Um, there's, there's a lot I think you could do with your degrees and I would experience. Love to, I'd love to know more of the things that you're really interested in more deeper and what your, what your past experience has been that you feel that if you were to get to get the other job, that what kind of work it was. So we can try to make a match to make everything flow for you easily. So yeah. the transition would be positive you wouldn't be going back to square one, but you're actually going to go to square 22 because you're already, right now you're in square 20. Yeah, for sure. So we let's just take, let's get more information from you. 
Yeah, write us back with an update. Um, people comment on the YouTube. I My brain's just going nonstop. And if going back to school is something you're considering, um, I think like you could become a social worker, a licensed marriage and family therapist, which you can then have a service animal, a therapy dog if you want to help you work with people. Um, there's there's a lot of careers. So check the YouTube comments and see what everyone else is offering you as well. Okay. This may sound very scattered, so I apologize in advance. I, 21 female, have been with my partner, 22 male, for almost three years. I got pregnant very early on, so we have an 18-month-old daughter. My partner has anger issues, stemming from his feelings of always being invalidated growing up and possibly from how bad his mom and dad would argue before they split. I have ADHD, only found out about eight months ago, and I'm still trying to learn everything about how to take care of my house. I never learned basic cleaning growing up, and that has put some issues into our relationship. We have issues on both sides, but I need him to be able to express his emotions in a healthy way. I don't want my daughter to grow up seeing that yelling is what you always do. When my daughter does something she's not supposed to, he will yell and threaten to spank her versus how I will go up to her and try not to make her see me and redirect her to something else. I'm going to get therapy for myself soon because I'm getting pretty rough mental health-wise with all of the constant cleaning that I have to do. And I constantly feel like he doesn't seem to care about how my day was or how I feel. I don't know how to put into words that I need him to talk to and not feel guilty like he may try to minimize my feelings or turn it into an argument. I also need to figure out how to approach the therapy aspect again. Because in a blunt way, if he can't figure out how to learn healthy feelings and how to express them, the relationship won't last regardless of how much we love each other. We both need to get therapy and learn how to communicate in a healthy way to understand what the other needs. Money isn't an issue. We both have insurance and he makes good money. Help. Well, I think she's very bright. She has a clear, a clear, clear view and a in a path of attack, what to do about it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're absolutely right about every, every point that you brought up, you are correct. You're on the mark. You know, he's affected. He grew up, he grew up in a, and I grew up in a home where there was a lot of yelling with my father. He did not know how to talk. My mother used to, we, I traveled quite a bit and I would always be out of town and I would be in New York for, for lack of a better description he would be on the phone. He'd be screaming at the top of his lungs. And my mother said, why are you using the phone? He could hear you without it. <laughs> so how did that affect me? That's a good one. It affected me by when I, when I have my own home, I don't like yelling. If I'm in a relationship that there's yelling, I walk, I stay away from it. I find it unhealthy because the person doesn't have the, the patience to sit back to have control to really articulate what they're trying to do. And also they're not trying to abuse you if they're talking, if they're, they're yelling, it's abuse. So at least that's the way I looked at it. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that, he, that, that it didn't affect him in a way that he wouldn't do it. How to get someone to stop or to, you've already nailed it. You've, you've called everything train, you know, counseling, marriage counseling, you know, making him aware of it all trying to get him to really realize that this is not the life that you're going to be a part of. And if he wants to, either way, you're not going to have yell in your life. It's either he's going to learn not to yell 
or two, you're not going to be in his, you're not going to be in his life, at least not as his mate, as his child's mother. Yes, but not as his mate and let him make the choices. What do you want? Because if this is what you want, we're going to have to take a direction to not have it a part of our life because it's just not healthy. I hate to make it sound so simple, but you've, you've called everything else out. You already know the answer. So how does she advocate for herself, her family, her child in the sense and say, what we need to do is go to therapy. And if you have someone that's kind of pushing back on that, how do you advocate for this? Just the way I said it before, either there's not going to be yelling in my life, either you're going to make follow along so we can, we we can get it out of my life or I'm going to have to make sure it's removed from my life, Mm -hmm. meaning I will be gone. Do I have my feelings on it and I know what's in the research Thoughts on the spanking an 18-month-old baby? Uh, I grew up in a home of spanking. My father used to take a paddle to us or a, or a belt and miss. Uh, I don't think you ever witnessed me spanking you. No, but I got a wooden spoon and a belt from my mom. Well, you never so. got it from me. No, but I still had spanking in my life. Okay, well, I, 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 don't, I don't approve of spanking. I don't think it's a part of rearing a child. Now, some people think I'm absolutely probably out of my mind, but that's what I believe. I believe that you're, there are skills. I thought that when we use the, the terminology, oh, well, the day that you threw that thing on the ground, I think that made more of an impact on you than mom taking a spoon to you and, and beating your butt if that's what she did. But there is other things that I just don't find that, that, that abusing a child in any way, shape, or form is the way to do it. I think you have to get them to recognize what is right and wrong and what they want. Mm-hmm. And they want to do the right thing. I completely agree. Uh, there's a lot of research coming out about gentle parenting or like authoritative parenting is another term I've heard used for it. But essentially it's respectful parenting. And there's research that has come out about spanking where spanking makes your child trust you less. They are less likely to feel safe with you, loved with you. There's a lot that's with that. And I even um, had a therapist on, two therapists on an episode recently and something that was kind of talked about It's and comes up is kids, when they get older, they don't rebel because they are bad kids or whatever they do that and they're rebellious or they're misbehaving because they don't trust you. They don't, they don't respect you enough or feel safe mm-hmm. enough with you to respect your boundaries. So let me ask you a question. You, you spend years to try to get your kids to, to trust you. And then you go, they go ahead and they beat you one day. What happens to all, all those five or 10 or 15 years of building of trusting that you'll never hurt them, that you're there for them. Shattered. Shattered. There's a lot, a lot of research coming out about this. Um, and I think individual therapy for both of you would be great. Couples therapy, very necessary. Your partner, by the sounds of it, had some childhood trauma. And he might be under the impression that the way my parents did it is the way I should do it. And that's not the he case. He might look at himself, I'm fine. He might. And so I'm doing great. Work so for me. <laughs> I think working with a qualified family therapist or a parenting expert may also be good here because yelling and threatening to spank an 18 month old is 
kind of psychotic to me. I'm going to be honest. 18 months old. They can barely talk. They're barely like 12 months old. They just started walking. They're maybe a little more coordinated, but language isn't even developed that much. Like the baby has no idea what she's doing. They identify with tone. Yeah. It's, she's just going to be scared of him and it's not healthy. So you got to advocate for yourself because my, my thing is too, that is tough because I mean, our listener said all the love in the world isn't going to save us if he can't stop yelling and no, dealing she, with stuff in a healthy way. She she was on the mark. I, I picked that right up and I just said, she's already got this thing down. She knows what she's got to do and she's got to follow with it. But here's my fear. If they were to separate and he gets shared custody, she's not there to advocate for her kid anymore. And so address the parenting while you can mm -hmm. in case you guys do separate and you have to worry about your daughter being spanked and whatever else down the road. And I know there are parents out there that still do that and find it, it works for them and whatever, you know, else, you know, to each their own. But I will say as someone who had that side of parenting, it didn't work. You feel like shit. It leaves you with trauma that messes with you going forward. Um, and I would just look into other healthy parenting techniques. I agree. Okay. Moving on to Patreon now. So okay. sign us off. Well, everybody, I thank you for joining us and hitting that subscribe button for the new viewers. We were trying to get those counts up and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. And if you want to hang on or just go to Patreon, you're going to get another one. We have one. I'm sure Morgan's got a great Patreon story. They're usually a little unique and, um, We'll see you mm -hmm. next week. Yeah, it's from Thanks. a it's from a friend that is trying to move to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh. My longtime home base. I love it there. And I'm going there next week. I'm going there next week. Yeah. So everyone, good night, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.